Hello. Welcome to Discovering Jazz, where you and I together discover great music, picking up information to keep jazz old and new alive. My name is Larry Sademan, here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, sponsored by Peterborough Independent Podcasters. This week, some more new discoveries I've made by playing through tunes from the real book, Volume 1, 6th edition, an often used reference book of charts for songs that jazz musicians like to play. Many of the songs I've known for years, but as I go through them, I keep coming across new discoveries, whether they're songs written by jazz musicians or whether they're the ubiquitous Broadway standards. Let's start with one of the latter, a Rodgers and Hart tune from 1926, a dance tune from a stage musical called The Girlfriend. Here's a version from 1956 by Bing Crosby with orchestra conducted by Buddy Bregman, The Blue Room. I'm going to follow it with a more modern version, although it still sounds pretty old style, by Warren Vashay from a 2019 album called Songs Our Fathers Taught Us, The Blue Room. Thank you. 
right, you can come off the dance floor now and give a listen to a few probably less danceable jazz tunes from the real book. That was Warren Vache on trumpet with Jacob Fisher guitar, Neil Minor bass, and Steve Williams drums. The Blue Room by Rogers and Hart. Here's a tune that I'd never heard before called Quiet Now by pianist Denny Zeitlin. As I was playing that real book version for the tune on the piano, the song's ending reminded me of the final Jeopardy theme. Remember the quiz show Jeopardy? It's still on. <laughs> anyway, I researched that theme and learned it was written by Merv Griffin in 1963 as a lullaby for his son, then used in his TV quiz show a year later. Zeitlin wrote this tune pretty close to the same time, and I do suspect he was influenced by the final Jeopardy theme rather than the other way around, although I really don't know. Or maybe it's all just a coincidence. After all, it's only four notes. Bill Evans recorded Quiet Now about eight times. He loved the tune. In most of the recordings, he changed those final few notes so it didn't sound so much like the final Jeopardy theme. I'll play first a Denny Zeitlin recording, although one he recorded later in 1986. Then I'm going to play a Bill Evans trio recording from 1973 with Eddie Gomez on bass and Marty Morell drums. Quiet now. Thank you. 
Bill Evans Trio from the Half Moon Bay album, Danny Zeitlin's Quiet Now. Before that, I played a recording of Zeitlin himself playing it. Now for another tune associated with Bill Evans, with which I've sort of fallen in love. It was written by his bass player, a man who died at a very early age, Scott LaFaro, and it's called Glorious Step. I've played versions of this composition in previous episodes, and the Bill Evans trio version with Scott LaFaro from 1961's Live at the Village Vanguard is a classic. I'm going to play a different rendition by an ensemble you wouldn't expect to be doing such wonderful renditions of such classic tunes. From Victoria, B.C., it's an offshoot of the Naden Band of the Royal Canadian Navy. They go by the name of the Jolly Tars. Here is... Glorious step.
from Victoria, B.C. That's the Naden Band of the Royal Canadian Navy, their version of Scott LaFaro's Gloria Step, featuring Roy Steiff on alto sax, Olivier Neron Bilodeau on piano, and Stephen McDonald guitar. Next, one of those tunes I need to learn to understand. It's referred to as a Charlie Parker blues, and for the life of me, I couldn't until now understand why it was referred to as a blues, as it doesn't have the typical 1-4-1-5 blues sequence. But then, thanks to listening to Ron Drodos and his wonderful Journey Through the Real Book series, where he goes through each song in the real book and uh, analyzes it and uh, plays it completely with various improvisations, it's a 12-bar tune in the key of F, and it does, after four bars, go to the B-flat, which is the four, and then after a few detours, does get to the five and back to the one in bar two. But between those blues changes, it keeps changing its tonal center and uses a very common 2-5-1 jazz progression for each one until it eventually gets to the four in the original key. Then it starts over with two five ones from there until it gets to the five. Jazz musicians end up memorizing the specific progression, but that is its basis. That exact sequence is described in Wikipedia under bird changes. One of the best-known Charlie Parker blues tunes is called Blues for Alice. Here's a rendition from 1961 featuring Roland Kirk, later Rasan Roland Kirk. Blues for Alice. Thank you. 
for Alice, a Charlie Parker blues with Roland Kirk, tenor sax, as well as a couple saxophone-like instruments called a manzello and a stretch. On piano is Richard Wyans, Art Davis on bass, and Charlie Persip drums. Let's go to Broadway now. No, it's not one of the jazz standards from a Broadway show, but a swing tune first recorded by the Count Basie Orchestra in 1940 called Broadway. Here's that original version. So does anybody other than retro bands still do that tune anymore? Broadway, written by Bill Bird, Teddy McRae, and Henry Wood, a 1940 hit for the Count Basie Orchestra. I searched the secondhand songs site and discovered that there are a lot of recent recordings. I listened to a few, and most didn't do that much with it. A couple of them went sort of bebop, but the one I'm going to play I thought was the one that most stayed with the Count Basie feel, but also took the tune in some interesting directions. It's by the Christian McBride Big Band from 2011 off an album called The Good Feeling. Great bass by McBride. Here is their version of Broadway. Mm -hmm. 
Such a simple but catchy tune, almost like an earworm. That's a Christian McBride big band, Broadway. Today, featuring some discoveries I've made recently from going through the Real Book, Volume 1, 6th edition. Here's a Real Book tune that got my attention after I found this mint copy of a Paul Winter LP at a thrift store. And this tune was the first track. Icarus, written by Ralph Towner. What a beautiful little tune. The album's called Icarus, and this is the title track.
the Paul Winter Concert, with Paul Winter on soprano sax, David Darling cello, Paul McCandless reeds, the writer of the tune, Ralph Towner on guitar, Herb Bushler bass, and Colin Walcott percussion. Icarus. Next, a tune I knew strictly as a vocal, but it was originally an instrumental written by Gigi Grice. Here's the version that I know, with lyrics by Ben Sidron, who also sings it, and the great saxophone of Michael Brecker. Minority.
Ben Sidron. I just learned that he started his career as a keyboardist for the Steve Miller Band. But I'm looking forward to hearing the original version of that song on Prestige Records from 1960, the G.G. Grice Quintet Minority.
alto saxophonist Gigi Grace in his quintet with Richard Wyans on piano, Richard Williams trumpet, John Ewell bass, and Mickey Roker drums. Now, before I go to the last song of this week's podcast, I just want to mention that I'm going to be taking a few weeks off. Don't worry, though. I will still be posting new, well, not new episodes. I'll be posting episodes from the archives over the next few weeks. And uh, some of my favorites will will be on. So you'll still be able to listen to a podcast every week. Um, I will be back uh, probably sometime in August, certainly sometime this summer. And uh, I have some great ideas for for new podcasts. Um, I'm thinking of one uh, about folk music and jazz, and maybe even add a little bit of country music and its connection to jazz. I've also got an idea of an episode about how particular jazz songs are titled. What was it that inspired the the composer or player to put that particular title? And uh, one special episode just on Thelonious Monk, and uh, why did he call it that? I'm hoping to to get a, a couple programs on on the on the subject of can jazz be pretty? And I think from hearing some of those tunes that you've heard this week, the answer is a definite yes. All right, one more short tune before we leave. Uh, Cole Porter's "Could It Be You." Ron Drodos in his Journey Through the Real Book says that while this is a fine and well-constructed tune, he has no idea why it's in the real book, as he has never heard a jazz musician play it. And it isn't even listed in the second-hand song site, a site that gives you different versions of almost any song. It's from a ubiquitous YouTuber who has an extraordinary number of guitar videos of him playing various jazz tunes accompanied by a keyboard. His name is Ivan Jacques. I know nothing about him, but I think he might be from Quebec here in Canada. Not sure. Anyway, here is his version of Could It Be You? It cuts off suddenly at the end. And so do I. My name is Larry Sadman. This is Discovering Jazz. Bye for now. (music) 